together. Um, this morning, we continue in this series called Cha-Ching, God, Money, and Me, and we're asking this question about priority this morning. Um, and and, and the, the question on it is, when are my finances spiritual? Um, and, and I invite you to hear these words from Matthew 6 um, that I think pair along with what we heard from Malachi 3, and, uh, and we'll talk about both those this morning. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mine. It is the word that parents, preschool teachers, and anyone near a two-year-old dreads. When a sibling enters the picture for the first time, oh, how the oldest one struggles with the loss of all they thought was their own before. Kids become possessive of toys, books, mom, and anything that they can think that they can rightfully claim is theirs. My favorite picture of what mine looks like is when a child does not touch a certain toy or object for at least a year, and when someone else pays attention to that object and comes to visit their house, they're reminded that it is their favorite toy and is special to them. And this was the toy that was in the Goodwill bag for the last six months. But we are possessive creatures. When we think the world's resources are scarce, we grab hold of what we think is rightfully ours. There have been many times where I want to remind my children that they have nothing. It actually is all mine and their mother's anyway. The word mine is hard to stop once it starts. We are like seagulls in Finding Nemo, who have a one-track mind when it comes to possessions, specifically fish, mine, 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 and we join the chorus of all the other seagulls. The project of colonialism was built around the term mine. In this very state, Governor Tryon was giving out 10,000-acre tracts of land that the King of England had said were his, were, were mine. And a gentleman who was ready to work that land to produce a yield enough to pay taxes was granted all of that land. He would go to that land, plant borders around it, and say, mine. Claimed that it was his property when Native Americans had been there since the beginning. Mine, mine, mine. Perhaps one of the best sermons John Wesley ever preached was called The Use of Money. Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement in England, and his preaching was especially effective to the common, everyday worker. Wesley's movement flourished and grew among coal miners 
and workers in the fields, not the elite aristocracy. So his preaching then was extremely practical. Wesley did not write volumes of theology, but he did preach volumes of sermons. And in the beginning of this sermon on the use of money, Wesley proclaimed this. He said, the love of money, we know, is the root of all evil, but not the thing itself. The fault does not lie in the money, but in them that use it. This is important early on. Money is not the root of all evil. Rather, it is the love of money, Wesley wisely points out. Wesley then presents three main points to his sermon that we will walk through together. And these are really easy to get. If you could just get these three points today, that, that'd be enough. Okay, so, so the first point he makes is this. Earn all you can. Earn all you can. Wesley has no problem with people being industrious and making a living. He does not advocate for his followers to take a vow of poverty. Rather, he advocates for gaining all that one can, as long as it is not at the expense of their health, their own mind or soul, or their neighbor. In this way, Wesley sounds like a proponent of the Protestant work ethic. Wesley worked to the bone himself. He logged tens of thousands of miles by horseback, made sure to never have, quote, idle time, and preached in a field whenever he could have an audience. Earn all you can is a pretty easy concept. The caveats that Wesley gave are truly about not taking advantage of someone else in order to make money. This is why Wesley came to oppose the slave trade in England in the 1700s. The earning was happening on the backs of someone else. It was affecting someone else's health. As followers of Jesus, we need to question how we are earning all that we can. Especially in a world where earning a decent living looks different most of the time than plowing fields or making things. How do our investments affect others? How does our economic involvement affect creation? As earners who follow Jesus, we have a responsibility to ask those questions and not blindly follow the economic patterns of our world. Earn all you can, Wesley says, just not at the expense of others. His second point of his sermon, save all you can. The second rule that Wesley employs sounds like fine and sound financial advice. Wesley advocates for being wise with money, especially not wasting money on expensive food or clothing. He specifically calls for not spending money to impress people. It's not like we humans ever spend money to impress others with our brands of clothing, our improvements to our homes, our cars, our tools, our boats, and the list goes on and on and on. When we save all we can, we are making a statement about priority. When I was in divinity school, it was when I proposed to my wife. This means that I was proposing to her at a time in my life when more money was going out than coming in. Yet, I had no problem living as frugally as possible. My part of the rent was three ten a month, right? I ate peanut butter and jelly every day for lunch for two straight years, living as frugally as possible. I hate it now. Um, so, so that I, can, so I could save up to buy her a ring. I had no problem saving up for the ring. She was my priority. I was putting money specifically where my heart was. Wesley, in fact, I love this part. He specifically calls for not wasting money on indulging one's children. Listen to what he says. Why should you purchase for them more pride or lust? more vanity, or foolish and hurtful desires. They do not want any more. They have enough already. Nature has made ample provision for them. 
Nature has made enough provision. So have pots and pans. Or a box. Have you ever seen a toddler get a gift and then play with the wrapping paper and the box more than the toy? Wesley's sermon at this point seems just like sound economic advice. We should make all we can, then we should save all we can so we don't have to be a burden on someone else. Then they will be able to live with prosperity and wealth. But Wesley's final point of his sermon that he points to is this. His third one is give all you can. Here Wesley presents a great definition of stewardship. A lot of times we think of that as a churchy word, We use it around like stewardship campaigns or something like that. But to be a steward means that you hold something in trust for someone else. It means that you are not the owner of it. Wesley preaches this. He says, Consider when the possessor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in this world. He placed you here not as a proprietor or not as an owner, but a steward. As such, he entrusted you for a season with goods of various kinds but the sole property of these still rests in him, nor can be alienated from him. As you yourself are not your own, but his such is, likewise all that you enjoy. The sole property of our goods, then, rests in God. This is a change from how we typically understand our finances. Instead of mine, 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 our money, our possessions, our very bodies, our gods, God's, God's. In his book, Being Consumed, Bill Kavanaugh states it this way. He says, God is the proper owner of all things. This is God's world, and we are just using it for the time being. It's like the hymn we just sang intentionally. This is my Father's world. I rest me in the thought. Stewardship is not about how much of mine I am going to give to God. Rather, stewardship is about my willingness to see all that I have as God's in the first place. This is why Jesus talks about money so much. It's why he talks about how hard it is for the rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's because he knows that we become addicted to the idea of our own possessions, of our own pursuit of wealth management. In our passage from Matthew 6, Jesus is addressing the issue of priority. You see, the heart was the center of personality in the world of Jesus. The heart was not just an emotional center. It was kind of the center of everything about who someone was. So when Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, he is saying that where your treasure is, your will, your priority will be. We get it. The more that we have, the more security systems and insurance policies and fear that we have of losing it, we have. Thus, Jesus can say that no one can serve two masters. This is a statement about loyalty. There is no way to serve both God and money. One will have priority. If money is viewed not as mine, but as God's, then we can be stewards. Wesley preached, Render unto God not a tenth, not a third, not half, but all that is God's. You hear that? Render unto him all that is God's. So the question we're left with, is your stuff yours or God's? In Malachi 3, we see the passage where the principle of tithing originates. Tithe is a term that refers to 10%. It is often held up as a spiritual goal of giving to the church or to God's work in the world. 
And in that passage, the people are asking God, how have we deceived you, God? Well, this sounds like an innocent question. The same word for deceive in this passage in Hebrew is rob. So in other words, they're asking, how have we robbed you, God? And God responds that they have deceived him. They have robbed him with their tenth part, with their tithe, gifts, and offerings. See, apparently the people have been withholding some from God. They have been participating in an act of deception, acting like they are giving one-tenth to God, but keeping some more of that for themselves. God suspects that they were acting from a perspective of scarcity instead of abundance. They could not give God one-tenth because they viewed their possessions as their own. So God challenges them. He says, bring the whole tenth part. And then he says this, please test me in this. See whether I do not open all the windows of the heavens for you and empty out a blessing until there is enough. God's promise is not the same as a prosperity preacher using this text. He does not say he will pour out abundant blessings beyond what you've given. He does not promise a threefold or a tenfold increase. But God does promise the blessing will be poured out until there is enough. God promises enough. So how do we get there? How do we become people who can give 10% or more of our income to God? How can we do such a thing when we are trying to be responsible or it feels like there just isn't enough in the bank account? The key is seeing everything that we have as gift. This is the challenge with John Wesley's sermon on the use of money. When we earn all we can and save all we can, it becomes more and more challenging to give all we can. This is why we have to be asking ourselves where our treasure is. Are we holding on to money for dear life? Are we making plans for our future that don't involve generosity to God and to those in need? This is what Malachi would call robbing God. Our finances are spiritual because everything that we have, and indeed all that we are, belongs to God. This is not a churchy or a pastoral thing to say. This is simply truth. Our cultural landscape wants us to think that everything we have made and have is our own. That we deserve our wealth. And this creates a lot of the problems of our world. We become selfish and Scrooge-ish. We start to hold tightly to our money and our financial situation. When we view everything that we have as a gift, however, we are able to give from the top and not from the leftovers. If you start your budgeting with how much you give to God, it displays a priority in your life. If you give to God from what's left over, you won't reach the goal of a tithe. Other priorities will get in the way. You can't serve two masters. So no matter what stage of life you are in, whether you are a graduate student living off student loans or a person in their 40s trying to balance money and children or an empty nester with different and new financial obligations, our priority will be in the right place only when we view everything that we have as a gift from God. When we get in the habit of giving first to God, that becomes a regular discipline. So if you're younger, I encourage you to try to get in the habit of working towards a tithe. It will only get more difficult to start later. And if you are older and haven't gotten there, I encourage you to take steps in your life towards seeing everything that you have as a gift. 
Friends, this is when finances are spiritually in the right place. When we view all of our lives as a gift from God, then we can say to God, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.